Hello to Podcast 1.0 listeners, I'm Namrata and I welcome you all to this rendezvous with Mark Stephen Meadows and Ryan Wall to know more about the art part of chatbots and their interaction in the art, culture or entertainment fields. Episode content powered by Watsoch, a contextual content solution provider for green businesses in this new age of digital marketing. Hello Mark, hello Ryan, welcome to Podcast 1.0. Hello, thank you for having us. Happy to have you both. Mark is the founder and president at Botanic. He's an author, inventor, and designer who has developed AI application at some of the world's top research labs like Xerox, SRI, and WAG. With a very interesting team of artists, actors, playwrights, designers, developers, and published poets like Ryan who is a conversation designer with decades experience in creative writing, editing and publishing. She has an MFA from Columbia and she has a psychology and visual art background too. Ryan, Mark and their team has been designing products with conversational interfaces and avatars. In short, bots with personalities that are capable of understanding and responding to human dialogues. So tell us, uh, Mark, what is a chatbot to you and Ryan you may also join in to uh, help us understand how you see the user experience and design evolving when user chats step up to become deep conversations with bots having personality yeah thank you you know the space of bot like robot or artificial intelligence is a huge mythological space and so it's very hard to define it i think we all have narratives that we play whether it's in business or entertainment education finance or healthcare and so really you know, we see bots as being characters or players on that narrative uh, so for example if i need to learn about my health or if i need to learn about where to find you know the dragon in the video game i can talk to a bot and the bot's able to help me learn about that space so in short a bot is something like a non-player character in a narrative and ryan what do you think about the user experience yeah. evolving i mean i i can definitely say for us at Botanic that we do not see personality and user experience as two separate things we see the personality of these bots as the user experience and that is really what we're focusing on when we're designing. Um, we A huge emphasis on our design is the personality and the character itself and the background story of that character and the voice and all of these things are what inform the interaction and the dialogue and ultimately yeah, the user experience. So I, th I see you people as a very, as a weaponized architects as you call yourself, bot architects. So tell us how your bot design approach works in Botanic and what are your experiences in this regard? Well, first off, in order to build a tool, you need to know what that tool's use is. And so we, we begin very much by looking at the end users. Our research is very much focused on who are the people that will be using this tool and how will they interface with it. And as we, in, as we interface and, and interview people that will be using it as our target end users, we also have to find who might be playing the helper role. So if it were an educational system, for example, we would want to talk to the end user students and we would also want to talk to the kinds of teachers whom we would be modeling the interaction around. 
And from that research, we're able to identify with a collection of business goals and user goals, how the personality of that bot should be sculpted. And we begin by looking at archetypes and we say, oh, you know, like maybe it's the Albert Einstein, you know, he's kind of got round glasses and a mustache archetype. He's very scientific and mathematical and, and he's got a sense of humor as he talks. And then we might say, oh yeah, but this is actually for, uh, you know, an astrology bot instead of a physics bot. And so then we maybe we'd go with like a Carl Sagan archetype. So we craft the archetype based on the end users. And then what we do as we prototype is we do a lot of testing and we check to make sure the system's responding in the way that it should be. Ryan, what would you think? Um, yeah, we have a, a really streamlined three-step process that kind of um, continues to build as we go. So we always start with research, as Mark just said, and that helps us to inform the way that we are going to sculpt the personality and design the personality. And within that process, we have, we do all sorts of things. Um, we usually start with a pitch process, and um, that's kind of like a writer's room um, pitching process where we all bring ideas to the table and discuss them. Um, and then from there, when, once we've narrowed down to a personality that we're going to move forward with, um, we always go back to the backstory and then build out the personality traits from the backstory because of course everyone's backstory, you know, any person and any character is going to inform the way that you interact with the world and how you express yourself to other people and how you express yourself through personality traits. Um, so then once we have that design in place, we then move forward again um, into building out the content. And so everything that we've done up until that point, the research, the personality design, they all build on each other to then inform, you know, the dialogue that we're going to create. So, uh, so what metrics actually you most uh, focus on? Well, some of these we can collect when we're doing usability testing. And we can do the standard stuff that's measurable, such as did people engage with the bot for the number of minutes that we expected based on the use case? Uh, in others, there are more subjective means of evaluating the bot, and, and some of the metrics are, are, did people just enjoy it? You know, there's this word delight that's used so often. And for us as artists, what we also like to do internally is to evaluate the system, because you know, while we begin with an abstract notion of what the character should be, once we've got the character in front of us, it's always important to have iterative design reviews. And we've all learned in art school and as writers that it's very important for us to sit down and look at the work and say, is this communicating in the way that it should be? So while we have formalized very you know industry standard methods of measuring the success and the doneness criteria we also can add our experiences artists and writers on top of that for what is also a traditional method of evaluating art we consider bots to be an art form and as artists this is the art that we're developing so we use those methods we learned at art school to also talk and and evaluate internally amongst ourselves mm -hmm. so you have any light and interesting story that you can share with the audience yeah, there, you know, there's there's one that I, I like to tell, which is uh, from a few years ago. We were developing a system that was uh, using probabilistic inference to rank the frequency of words and phrases in particular interviews, and we thought, you know, we could use this to um, to automate. 
personality. Because right now we have many systems out there, whether it's IBM Watson or MindML, that give you base responses, but we need to have personality in the system. And all of us, each of us individually, have particular words that we use more than others. I might be more inclined to talk about boats or San Francisco, and one of our writers, Robin, might be more inclined to talk about yoga in Philadelphia. So our personalities show statistically the words that we use. So what happened was we took a whole bunch of Arnold Schwarzenegger interviews, something like 250 of them, and we made this Arnold bot. And we asked the Arnold bot, what do you think of gay marriage? And the system said, gay marriage should be between a man and a woman. And if you ask me again, I'll make you do 500 push-ups. <laughs> so this is kind of a funny, it was kind of a funny, very primitive sort of a camera, almost as though we had captured the personality just by probabilistic inference of the phrases and words that Arnold Schwarzenegger would use. I suspect that in the future, we will have tools that will allow, just like Adobe Voco recently, that will allow us to capture not just the words that we're using, but also the voice and the way in which we speak those words. So uh, I just uh, heard this Arnold story. Uh, for that, I there is a question in my mind. We have uh, very few very sensitive issues, few secretive issues, few important issues. So when you put a chatbot into the art and culture ecosystem as an entity, as a personality, as a person, do you think uh, the delicate balance between relationships uh, is disturbed or the human-human interactions change to some extent? You know, certainly any medium will change how we interact. Um, whether it's the web, whether it's email, uh, even the printing press. Uh, people were executed as a result of trying to use the printing press uh, without having what was then called copyright. Um, and so any medium changes how we interact. And to say it's good or it's bad, I think is too simplistic. We need to understand that there is a risk in the bots and we're referring to conversational avatars here, 3D characters that you can speak with this, with natural language, have an immense ability to absorb our personalities and our personal data. And so there will absolutely be both benefits of that surveillance um, and there will be detriments. And, and we try to take an ethical approach to this. Ryan, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, please. Yeah, just to add to that, um, I think, you know, with anything that you're designing or creating and putting into the world, um, there is the opportunity for good to come of it and there's the opportunity of something negative to come of it. Part of that has to do with who's creating it, and part of it has to do with whose hands it ends up in. Um, as Mark said, we are designing from uh, an ethical, a very ethical stance. Um, we're always talking about um, politics and gender and social issues and um, really applying those important subjects to what we are creating and putting into the world. and. You know, while there is a lot of um, danger in this stuff, there is also a lot of really beautiful and positive things that can come from it, I think. Um, you know, we've seen the direct correlation to um, users who are talking to an avatar with a face and how they are willing to open up more about, you know, depression and, um, in ailments and as they would even more so um, with a therapist 
And we have found that, you know, people are really able to open up to these bots and there's something really important in that, which can, of course, be taken advantage of like anything else. But um, we can also use it to really help people, I think. Okay, so uh, who do you think should contact you after listening to this episode uh, in the art world? Who are who can be the early adopters? Yeah, you know, we have a general platform called Transactor, and we drive our 3D animated avatars with Actor. And we can apply that basic technology to a range of different applications. Um, remember that we're artists that are working in the commercial world. I think that the role of artists these days is as inventors. So part of our job is to talk with customers that want to have a graphical bot that people can talk with. And then what we do is we imagine with them how we can best design that. So as people have, whether it's a bot for finances or a bot for healthcare, whether it's for education or entertainment, we love the entertainment stuff. You know, that's really where we can really stretch our creative wings the most. We like to sit down and then go through that design, pro that design process with our customers and say, okay, what best suits your particular needs? And then we apply our artistic talents to that. Um, we are open for working with just about anybody and um, you know we also like to try to find ways in which we can work with bots that really are able to help people on a personal level and so um, you know we also provide methods of authenticating the bot so that way you know your information is safe with the bot. Um, that way you know that you're dealing with a bot that is as well designed and as humane as we can make it. So I think the short answer is anybody that's interested in making a bot that can talk and has a face. <laughs> so you see the convergence of art and science happening very soon and very deeply, right? Ryan? I mean, I I'm definitely, I've always been um, a believer in the convergence of art and science. Um, science is something mm -hmm. that's always informed my writing. Um, and I think that when, when science and art work together, um, really great things can happen. Well, Botanic generally, our customers are both blue chip and startups. Um, and what we found is that consistently our customers are folks that recognize that natural language processing, natural language understanding is a real thing that does really work and that it does really have limitations. And same with voice recognition and same with real-time 3D. Developing an avatar in virtual reality that can talk isn't, for most people, something that is possible. For a lot of people, they see it as science fiction. So our customers usually understand that these combination of technologies are, are really working. And I remember back, uh, you know, it was around 1994, uh, we were developing very early websites. And people said, wait, how can you get hypertext to work with FTP and inline graphics? Well, won't that completely disrupt the publishing industry? This isn't a possible technology. And nowadays we see, yeah, the web is here. The web has all these, these great things it can do. And so by combining technologies, we're able to advance the art. And so our customers consistently recognize that these technologies can be combined. Do you see them faring better in comparison to human interactions when you build them with right personality and you know you give them right training? Or they have long way to go? All right. I think that in order to evaluate something, we have to know what the method of evaluation is. Um, you know, for example, if I'm trying to get something very fast done, such as look for a particular page on the web, 
I will go to Google and I will not turn to a friend and say, hey, can you give me information on this new technology? By, Google, by Googling a particular search, it is a faster, more effective means of me accomplishing a particular task. Um, and right now, we can see a very clear differentiator in terms of speed and quantity of knowledge. Automated systems work generally better than humans. On the other hand, I have two kids, and if I want to have love and compassion and fun on the beach, I generally will turn to my children before I would turn to a bot for that. So what we can do is we can say there are particular ways in which we interact with people and particular ways in which we interact with automated systems, and we need to be careful about the design such that what we're developing actually helps us as humans to live better the lives that we want and to support the values that we want to preserve. And many people will find that for their individual use case, a bot will be better than a person, perhaps even for love, because this might be somebody that simply wants to listen or simply wants to talk and doesn't want to interact the way the majority of humans would. In that case, a bot would be perfect for them. Yeah, okay, so I see bot as uh as a, as a tech aid which has uh, art inbuilt in it and helps me to raise my child better and do a more fulfilling job. So uh, I get to the last question to both of you. I, uh, what according to you is hot for bots and what is not for bots? Okay, so it seems like the things that are automated and regulated are where we can best apply a bot. Um, where we have something that is systematized and we have a conversation tree where somebody, for example, let's say it's a customer service representative, is supposed to say particular things. That's a waste of a perfectly good mind. Down the road, as bots are able to deal with larger and less formalized knowledge bases, uh, I think that in 2016 and 2017 we will see experts, uh, domain experts and people that are very knowledgeable contributing to knowledge bases like Wikipedia and actually being remunerated for those contributions. Um, cryptocurrencies uh, we have already attached to bots such that we can drive uh, using voice the transfer of a cryptocurrency which means that we can also have if somebody's contributed to a knowledge base and a bot says something that they've contributed, they can be remunerated. And so to answer the question in brief, in the short term, the more regulated and automated the interaction is, the better the bot is now. In the long term, we're going to see millions of use cases for people contributing to knowledge bases and being remunerated for that. Um, well, I'll just uh, second Mark on that, that I think that uh, the authentication and regulation of bots is going to be really important for our future, um, and we really don't have that right now. That's going to be huge. Um, on, another, <laughs> on another more idealistic note, I mean, I'd really like to see bots move, um, or people's idea of bots to move from you know, just assistants who can order you pizza and buy you things online and help you order a car. Um, from that to having more potential to create social change and um, doing really positive things for the world. So it was, it was very, very great, very, very nice talking to you, Ryan and Mark. Thanks for coming to the show. Bye-bye for now.